0: Fruits, or five pounds for a pint of fierce, or a daiquiri, any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! Oh, foot there. Yeah! $2
1: away. It is Madison.
0: Hello and welcome along to episode 132 of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gary Scott. And joining me this evening, as always, it is the one and only Gavin J Baxter. Gav, how is it going?
1: I am much, much more chipper than I was at the weekend. We were all there. We saw it. The Barry Dobson 541 revolution has begun. Indeed. Um <sighs> that's like the quieter one
0: maybe who knows of the abzfp tonight we're going to take a look back at the 4-2 win against motherwell on wednesday evening in the cinch and then after the break we'll bring you our preview for saturday's skull cup semi-final against hibbs at hamden but first gav motherwell 2 aberdeen 4 wednesday the 1st of november 2023 Fir park in the cinch two changes for Barry Robinson from the side, beating at Kilmarnock on Sunday, Leighton Clarkson and Dante Bovara replacing Conor Barron and the Duke, both of whom started on the bench. Following their 3-3 draw with Ross County on Saturday, Motherwell with two changes themselves, Len Miller and Connor Wilkinson coming in to replace Theo Bear and Ollie Shaw, who also were on the subs bench. And Aberdeen with a, a strong start, it's fair to say. Both Jack McKenzie and Nicky Devlin pushing up in the wide area as well into the Motherwell territory in the opening minutes. Boyomiovsky then looking to get after a Polvara through ball in the seventh minute. He appeared to have been sandwiched between two defenders as he looked to get away, but nothing doing from Colin Stephen. And then on the quarter hour, Richard Jensen requiring the aid of physios after taking a blow to the back. But the Dons got their goal that they're Bright start to the game deserved on 26 minutes. Jamie McGrath finishing off a good move that started with Slobodan Rubic winning a header on the halfway line. The ball worked out to Devon on the right and his cross was in the corridor of uncertainty evading both defender and goalkeeper with McGrath nipping in between them to guide his header back across goal and into the bottom corner. Clarkson free kick from the left causing some confusion in the middle of the defensive line on 33 minutes. The ball half cleared, Jensen pouncing on the ricochet and his shot was eventually turned away to safety. Povara next to pick up the pieces in the box as Milo struggled to deal with Aberdeen's attack, his attempt to shape the ball into the far corner, maybe just a little bit too close to Kelly on 43 minutes. It was though 2-0 just on the stroke of half time. Devlin quickly onto a loose ball to roll it into an empty net from eight yards out. McGrath having played Miofsky into the box, as he got in, bearing in on goal, tackled well, it's fair to say, by a Motherwell player, but the ball rolling kindly to Devlin, who once again showing his attacking instincts to be the highest advanced player supporting Miofsky to roll the ball into the empty net at halftime. Motherwell nil, Aberdeen two. And Shurt Kettlewell thought he was maybe going to get away with one when the restart was delayed for 10 minutes due to a problem with the official's communication system. But not to be that was back up and running again, and we were good to go. Mudwell was a a decent enough start to the half, but Richard Jensen, in particular, a, a real magnet for the ball in the back line there, making three strong interventions to keep the Don's goal intact. Before Aberdeen then did begin to start turning the screw again, Aberdeen with a glimpse of a third goal in the 50th minute, Graham Shinney winning the ball 30 yards out, he drilled a pass into Miofsky, McGrath running in to take off the number nine's toe and get a shot in that was blocked. Before another glancing header by McGrath, McClarkson cross forward moments later with Kelly saving that comfortably and it was at this point as well I think we started to see the Motherwell team maybe, how would we describe it Gavin become a bit agricultural, it's fair to say I think the term on Twitter I used was Motherwelly there we go. So Butcher booked for a deliberate handball in 51 minutes. Wilkinson followed in the book for a high challenge on Jensen. Spencer, the third to be yellow carded in the matter of four minutes before Biereth then barged Garton in on 59 minutes. And he was the fourth player from a booked in the space of eight minutes. The Dons then with their first change of the game on 65 minutes, Barron replacing Polvara. And then within three minutes of that change, it was 3-0. A superb counter attack. Clarkson helping the ball into Mioff's going halfway. He raced through into the box, tackled on the edge of the box, but as Miller hesitated over the loose ball, McGrath didn't, nipped in, collected the ball, fell on his arse, picked himself back up and clipped the ball into an empty net. McGrath then replaced by Duke before with, I guess, potentially Hamden in mind, Ryan Duncan and Esther Sokler taking to the field to replace Boja and Graham Shinney in the 73rd minute. Look at that, breaking up substitutions. Who'd have thunk it? Mullow with a couple of substitutions for themselves, but it was 4-0 shortly thereafter. A Duncan corner on the right drifted into the middle. Duke rising like a phoenix from the ashes and amongst a host of players to nod the ball into an empty net with Kelly flapping. And that was kind of looked like that was going to be nice and comfortable but not necessarily because this is always the way with Aberdeen. Theo Bayer on the pitch for just a matter of moments before he pulled one back on the 79th minute cutting inside and well, I saw it reported today as being curling an effort inside the near post. So well, that's probably fair to say that's what happened. But with all the pace of, oh, I don't know, Jason Brown, will we say. Sokler next to require some treatment after a, a block, a smack in the face from Casey. More work for the physios to get up to, up to speed with there before he was good to go. And again, this was a game that was comfortable being seen out, it felt. But then Aberdeen being Aberdeen, there was still time for Motherwell to grab a second of stoppage time. Beareth this time lurking at the back post to get on the end of a cross which had been deflected into his path by a Rupacic header. 4-2, Aberdeen. The game obviously had been long since one for the Dons before that second goal went in, but perhaps a slightly sour way for the game to finish after what had been a, a pretty impressive performance for the Dons on the road. All in on the data front, possession 48% to 52% in favor of the visitors shots 10 to 15 in favor of Aberdeen shots on target two to six expected goals 1.44 for the Steelmen to 2.24 for the dandy so gav and um, we, we spoke um in the aftermath of the game on sunday and uh, between that and the, the, the pout game and obviously with memories of the st johnston game as well prior to that still fresh in the memory it had felt like this week was a massive week. It still is a massive week. It's only one result that we've managed to put the bag on Wednesday, but this was a a much a much improved and a very different looking Aberdeen team. It's fair to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'll tell you a little story. Like I was, I got myself home on Wednesday evening at basically seven forty five, knowing that the game was available to to watch uh, through Motherwell's streaming service. And as I'm just thinking about it, I'm thinking about how limp we were against Kilmarnock, got the despair from the PAOK okay game, still very fresh in my mind. And then I think back, like you say, a little bit further to St. Johnston, where we seem so very, very lacking in, in ideas. The idea of, well, one, spending my time watching this and then uh, forking over a couple of quid it was kind of unappealing, but you know what? For the sake of this show, I I made the ultimate sacrifice and sat down to watch it. I'd obviously seen the the lineup. We had a little joke in the in the WhatsApp chat about how the Continental Five Four One approach is being brought to Fir Park. What a time to be alive uh, as an Aberdeen fan! And then, you know, very quickly, just became very um, impressed with what we were doing, um, the intent that we were showing. The result is, you know, I think I did say that the two goals by the well score late on takes a tiny bit of the shine off of what was an incredibly impressive performance, but, you know, equally just a massive, massive three points just set us off on this little run we're about to go on. Yeah, and we'll talk about the shape
0: in a minute or two. Um, the changes, I guess, and you just touched on it there, when we saw the, 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 the team lines coming through, I mean, maybe we should have been prepared for this already because earlier in the day, I guess, much too a lot of Aberdeen support chagrin by Robson was the press saying he didn't think he had the squad to enable him to make wholesale changes. And I think that's one of those situations where I'm not entirely sure that Aberdeen fans were looking for him to make, in inverted commas, wholesale changes, but it was more a case of let's see you at least try to use the squad a bit more. Um, <clears throat> surprised a little bit that it was just the two changes that we saw in the starting lineup, um, given the performance on Sunday or is that just maybe a sign of what Robs is kind of saying in the press, which is he maybe doesn't feel he can trust much more than a core group of
1: 13, 14 players here at this moment in time. Well, when we previewed this game on Sunday, I believe I said I expected zero changes. So mm-hmm. two actually was um, a little bit of a surprise. I guess I guess they weren't maybe the most surprising of changes being Clarkson for Baron and um, a tiny bit surprised that it came out not so much i think that duke's you know it would be impossible for robson to watch what duke's been doing and if anything it might have just compounded duke's form and confidence if you're just to keep throwing him in into the same position and he just keeps getting uh getting battered by defenders and obviously then by people who run podcasts like ourselves um so no not necessarily um i think they were the Again, probably goes back to what you're just saying there about it is the a core group of about about thirteen, fourteen. Because if it's anyone's going to come out, it will be Clarkson. It will be Dante who comes in. Surprised a little bit, Barron dropping out. Barron had you know he'd been impressed when his okay He he'd been one of
0: the brighter players. It's fair to say when the ball actually hit the middle of the park on Sunday, it's come on. It was the one that I was a little bit surprised with was Barron dropping out. Unless there's an eye on
1: Hamden potentially. I think any game that Connor Barron's not starting, he can feel rightly um like he's been maybe, you know, unjustly dropped. I think the reason that he was dropped is because obviously we were adopting the the continental approach. And I think Robson at this moment probably has a bit more faith in Clarkson to play in that kind of connecting position between the defense and the midfield. So surprised, not necessarily, and I do wonder again if maybe he is looking towards Hamden, and if Clarkson's going to play you know, they what Connor Barron playing in one of those more advanced positions where it's going to be more about pressing and kind of running and providing an option. I think Connor Barron's you know unlucky in a sense that you know where Leighton Clarkson is playing is where Connor Barron could very easily play. Yeah, uh, so the shape. I think most
0: people obviously looked at the the lineup. I think we all expected it was going to look something like as you just joked about there, or as we joked about the group. It was like the kind of continental approach that we've seen deployed against Frankfurt, um, against Pok, and at Ibrox in that kind of five four one four five one type setup. But it's probably fair to say that that's not really what we saw. It was more, certainly to my eye, it was more like a kind of it's not really a Christmas tree, but it was more like a kind of three four two
1: one type approach. It was kind of, for my interpretation, it was almost like three, with the back three, Clarkson sort of operating between them, the three defenders, and then the three more advanced midfielders. And then at times, you know, Nicky Devlin and Jack McKenzie are almost operating like inside forwards or out-and-out out wingers in that position, um, obviously supporting Boyan Miofsky. So... When you see five four one as the kind of default setting, you're concerned. I think Graham talked about this when I mentioned the idea of maybe just dropping Duke and going with the one up top with Boyan. Is that the the situation is that Boyan will become very isolated? But that was the absolute polar opposite of what happened. We were get constantly getting support to him, whether it was from, you know, as I say, Devlin, McKenzie, or McGrath and Pulvara. So, not at all a negative setup despite what you might think of that formation and what your default setting might be about it um yeah i'm not because i don't think it really was a 5 4 1 let's be honest
0: it was much more like a 3 4 2 1 or a 3 1 yeah yeah which i think of, i'm trying to think of my numbers now a 3 1 3, three, one, three 2 1 2 1 yeah like, there was there was a lot of fluidity around us which i liked yeah. and yeah. which is again something we've not seen enough of this season so far and we've not seen enough where we've really had players up supporting the forwards whether they are close enough to the forwards whether it's a two in Duke Miofsky, or whether it's somebody playing up, the, up top by themselves and that's the thing it's that I don't think people will be hung up too much around the formation and the setup if they see
1: that actually what we're doing there is we're, we're trying to get on the front foot with that setup Well you see that as gets boring out in the stats that I saw um, that's, it's the game where we've attempted the most passes domestically so far this season so it wasn't just a case of you know, the ball gets out to Roos or any one of on the centre-backs and we're just shelling it long to, to Miofsky. Quite the opposite, actually. It seemed like this, because Gartenman and Jensen were splitting really far out wide, like very far, leaving Rubicic in the middle almost alone. And then you have Clarkson operating in that kind of quarterback role. And it did seem like give us options to actually find passes. Don't get me wrong, we were still going direct when we wanted to, and we can do that because Miofsky is just the, the improvement in his game as a target man in the 12, last 12 months is just incredible. And that the key thing there is that if he does win the ball from the defense, which generally speaking, he did all night. Yeah. As far as like a lone striker performance, I think you're going back to you know Rooney and that had great games, but not playing like that. I think you're talking, going back to like Prime Lee Miller for the kind of performance Miofsky put in. And the key is there that then we were getting, because what he was doing intelligently was he was going out to the flanks every time. He wouldn't just stay isolated in the center. He would go out to the flanks and then there'd be support immediately from, like I say, Pulvara, McKenzie, McGrath, Devlin. It was just a really well-structured, really well-thought-out performance from us, especially with the ball. Let's just look through some of the players and in a bit
0: more, more detail um, from last night. I thought Richard Jensen, probably his Best game so far for, for Aberdeen.
1: Absolutely class. Obviously listened to last week's show and I was like, oh, Gary doesn't know if I'm a good footballer, eh? Well, th- well this let's is... show you this. I don't know what get up he is not finished, but yeah, he was probably saying that afterwards. Yeah, and which is fair enough. And
0: it wasn't me, actually. That wasn't me having a dig at him. That was just, we've not <laughs> been able to tell because of the way that we'd been asking him to play. And I thought that last night that was a demonstration of perhaps the player we were expecting to see more of when we spoke again to um, you know, journalists, et cetera, in, in Finland and also in Poland before when he signed, it was more of a, we felt we were getting a kind of Liam Scales-esque player who could play with the ball at his feet and who could pick a pass and who would be relatively solid defensively as well. And last night was certainly, I think, the first time I've looked at that and gone, I think I see that now. Um, and you like to think that's going to just help him breed more confidence as well going forward.
1: I think so. His he you know he took a couple of sore ones and he, you know, got himself back up and carried on doing what he was doing. So he's clearly not afraid of that side of the game. And I felt his anticipation anytime the ball would go into his kind of relevant Motherwell attacker, you know, he's always getting in ahead of them, not even like needing to necessarily make a tackle, it's just about the anticipation. We're going to be a little bit of a, a Mark Reynolds type performance in that sense. Um seemed to just pop up. All over the pitch at times so i think he'd been given a bit of a man marking job as well but and again like i say with the ball he's passing a lot more into feet and his his balls his more direct balls were had seemed to have more purpose about them so yeah a very impressive performance
0: his balls had more purpose about them there we go that's what we want to hear on this, this is on this me podcast. just wanting
1: to get back on that manscaped gravy train <laughs>
0: definitely um <coughs> Nicky Devlin, another one last night, who I thought you know, seemed to gain a lot more praise again after that performance last night. I'm not too sure. He, he's been one of the players so far this season who I've, I don't think you could have pointed many fingers at, I don't think, in terms of his application and his performances. So far, the Celtic um, goal aside, um, he's probably been, and I I hate to be the person that said I told you so, but he has been what I said we were going to get as a 7 out of 10 player every week but once again last night and I touched on it just when we talked about the game the engine on Nicky Devlin and his willingness to get up and down the line is exemplary and yet again he pops up like a good striker following <laughs> in, not just that he gets the assist obviously from a grass opener, good cross into the box um, but then yeah following in like a good striker Woods to to roll the ball into an empty net after Mioski gets brought down,
1: top stuff Yeah, not to uh, quote Andy Gray in that advert that I don't even remember what it was Plugging. I'm assuming it was probably Sky Sports Football, but you know, he's just the old and and the big man at the back. Well, he does what all good strikers do. He gambles and he's there for an easy tap. And again, I don't I think I've lost count now. The number of times that Devlin is in that place or is on the goal line jumping out of a ball hitting the back of the net. Um what he's kind of doing up there, I, it kind of pogs my out times, but it's it's great. Um endeavor and you know enthusiasm and desire to support his teammates and most impressively of all that I've been concerned with with Devlin is like, like you say, I think he's got a great engine and he's going up and down the line as much as he can. It's and I guess it's kind of the same as what it was with Ross McCrory, is like sometimes the delivery is is lacking, or it's like he doesn't quite have the the nouse of what to do when he gets into the final third. It is a fantastic cross for the first goal that JM McGrath scores. Takes the motherwell defenders completely out of the game, the goalkeeper as well. And you know, McGrath knows what he needs to do. So, um, once again, and again, Devlin took a sore one in the, I believe at the end of the first half, got up like nothing happened. So, I think you're right. I think he's been a very consistent player. Definitely one of the success stories of the summer transfer business. I mean, pound for pound,
0: he's the best signing we made in the summer at this moment in time on performances we've seen.
1: Um, Giving so us a free transfer. So far, it is starting to look like, uh, despite all the money we spent, that, yeah, our best <laughs> business might have been. Uh, the old free transfer market. Yeah, well, yeah, because we'll talk
0: about another one in a minute or two. Um, there's Obviously, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but so far I think for level of consistency, he's been, been the most impressive of the new signings that's joined us so far. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, One thing I completely forgot to talk about when we talked about Richard Jensen, no long throws last night. Hey, someone listens. <laughs> <laughs> um, Talking about players who signed in the summer um, and who maybe hasn't quite, caught fire yet Leighton Clarkson it's it's been a bit of a slow burn for him so far this, this campaign, he hasn't really quite got into games and influenced them in the same way that he did last season um, but last night was a welcome return to the Leighton Clarkson we saw last season, it's fair to
1: say Definitely um, I think we've bemoaned a lot of this season that Leighton Clarkson hit peak form last season when we did go to this back three formation and we then kind of shifted him back a little bit into that kind of, like I say, quarterback role. We let Ramadani and Shinny go and do all the dirty work. I think this season with the the way we've played it, we haven't had that balance yet um, with the personnel. Last night, it really did feel like, you know, when we're perhaps in possession in our own half, he is that connecting bridge that exists between the defenders and the rest of the team. And the nice thing about it was that when we then could get further forward into Motherwell's kind of third, he was then having the ability to come forward and start making those kind of incisive passes that only Leighton Clarkson can really do. None of them per se came off as such, but there were a couple of near, near misses. And uh, he just seemed like he had a lot more kind of almost authority about him last night a little more confidence a bit more of a swagger about him so you know like I said on Sunday Leighton Clarkson if we can get him firing in all cylinders he'll be one of the best players in the league and that was a welcome return to form
0: that's the thing and you're right none of the none of the passes or the more adventurous passes he tried last night came off but the nature of Clarkson to play is that's going to be the case you just need that one to come off to unlock a defence and it's good to see that he's even back trying it Through so far the season it's almost felt like he's not even
1: been trying those types of passes this season it's been a bit safe well what was also one of the reasons that contributed to that I think is that last night he had a number of options Yeah rather than you know a Duke and a Mioff, you're probably getting you know man marked or in some cases double marked we had runners all over in front of him giving him those options
0: another player as well who came back into the team last night uh, we talked about him on Sunday again only lasted, you know, 66 minutes, I think it was, last night. So not quite still getting to the 90 minutes. But a guy who we've been saying now we maybe need to see a little bit more game time for, Dante Povara. And it's fair to say that Dante's maybe, just maybe starting to show that, that there is something there that is worthwhile us hanging on to. And the, the three-year contract <laughs> extension he signed
1: no an week's Inspired piece ago, of
0: business might not be as daft as it looked a few weeks back. I think for Dante as well, the goal in Frankfurt, the goal against Pio Key will do him a... That'll just boost his confidence massively. Um, but it's good to see that he now seems... It doesn't look as though he feels out of place playing no. in, in the top
1: flight in Scotland at this moment. In time He definitely seems a lot more secure in his skin as a footballer in Scotland. Um, I think it just comes down to, you know, a couple of things. And one is just, we're not trying to make this guy something that he isn't, which is what we spent 80 months doing yeah, okay. uh, prior in, in trying to convert him into a central defensive midfielder, which I think is based on the fact that he's got the size that he does. Yeah. As far as anything, you know, we're getting the, the player that he's grown up um, as. And it just seems like the belief that Robson has in him is has spread and done himself a world of good. I really like him. It seems like he's got like, doesn't seem like he's gonna be a player that's gonna play every single week. But it seems like there's games where he is just gonna be a great foil for us. And like Wednesday of well well, he didn't necessarily do anything flashy or anything that stood out, but he's just got that presence about him and his endeavor seems to just draw opposition players to him and in turn then create space for others. And you know, he's just he's a good he's a good player with the ball. He really is. So yeah, long may this continue. I'm, I've am i been very impressed with them so far, especially like Jason's Frankfurt.
0: Yeah, and that's what we saw, though, again, is with the way we shaped up last night. The the two, the, the way I look at the team last night, it was a 3-4-2-1, and, and the player position maps will, will bear that out as well. It's Povara and McGrath, who are the two most advanced midfielders, supporting Miofsky. And again, it goes back to what you said a minute ago, that this idea that we seem to have had about him being a defensive holding midfielder we saw it when he signed from the from, from the States. He clearly was a kind of box-to-box, more attacking-focused midfielder. You know, he came with a reputation for being able to, to score goals. Now, whether you want to sit and go, well, it's college football, it doesn't matter. That's where his strength clearly lay. We saw it when he went to Charleston on loan as well, because he popped up with a few goals during his spell there. And you could see when you went and looked at what they were doing, he was playing more advanced Again, it's just about making sure that we play to somebody's strengths. And again, that situation we saw it in Frankfurt, where he he performed well, and the kind of we kind of almost played a box a little bit in Frankfurt from a midfield perspective. Again, he was one of the more advanced, got the goal. Again, just maybe, just maybe, there's a a, a bit of a gem potentially there in, in Dante Povara that we
1: can look forward to developing further and hopefully progressing further. Yeah, hopefully, and you know, it's it's concerning the right word. A little bit alarming that he doesn't seem to be able to make it past the 60, 65 minute mark. Um, to the point he's playing well, um, as much as anything. So that's that thing where you just want him to get more and more game time so he gets that match fitness up so he can play for even longer. Cause I, I do think he's a real asset for us. Yeah, indeed.
0: Um <clears throat> who are we at now? Jack McKenzie. I thought again, another really good performance from Jack McKenzie last night. Um, I thought he was and I saw some people digging you out Gav in the last couple of days for your comments on McKenzie after the Kilmarnock game um, I thought McKenzie was was impressive against um, well we, we you know he played well at Ibrox he played well in um, against POK he's putting I, I feel McKenzie starting to put in a level of performance which is becoming more consistent there's still some things with McKenzie that need to be ironed out absolutely and there is the the issue with you know the the goal, uh, the the first goal on on Sunday is Kamarnik where maybe you can argue he should be stronger with that one there. But again, is this a situation where giving McKenzie now a run of games and allowing him to get a bit of a foothold in the first team, he's kind of got the, the, he's got that jersey now. It's fair to say that's going to do him the world of good as well because he does have on the face of it. We've talked about a lot on this show since we started doing it.
1: McKenzie's got a lot of the attributes to be a decent left. Back left wing back I was just about to say talking about the first goal against Kilmark <laughs> there are people out there that think he did as well as he could have done Isn't that what you, is that what people are saying there No, um, stuff, but I, I think people who were suggesting and they're they're
0: probably not wrong about this that Armstrong wasn't getting much change out of McKenzie in the first half and Armstrong became much more of an influence after McKenzie was hooked at half time
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as well regarding first of all the point about whether McKenzie should just get a run in the team like we've not really heard anything about what the state of James McGarry is. Um, but I firmly believe that's a torn hamstring, so I don't expect to see him playing any meaningful football probably the rest of the season, if you're being honest. And you well, know, he start- I don't think we'll see him this side of Christmas, New Year, put it that way. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to, you know, like what maybe like some like Tommy Hobins told us about how, you know, you'll have the recovery time and then you'll have the time on top of that to get back up to any kind of meaningful fitness. Yeah. So, I'd actually
0: completely forgot about Jamie McGarry till you mentioned him just now. So, there we, well, go. there we go. Well, there we go.
1: So, and I mean, I mean you know, fuck, as, we as started as, this fuck, season with Shaden Morris. Was Morris playing on the right wing back or was he playing left wing back? If Shaden Morris has ever played left wing back for Aberdeen, then that would be a dark day. Was it right wing back he started? It was right then. wing back, yeah, yeah. And even that yeah. was bad enough.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um, as for that, I mean, like, the thing comes down to it, there's, there's a lack of options there now. I mean, I know there's Johnny Hayes, but as heartbreaking as it to say like I don't really want to see Johnny playing much more and you know Ryan Duncan's a fish out of water playing left wing back so Jack really is he's got the shirt now and I did think it was an impressive performance against guess well. um, it seemed like he really it seemed like there was a very clear directive to him like your job especially playing in this system you're going to get your head down get down the flanks and get crosses into the box and that's what he did all night um, really good engine about him again I don't think necessarily of the crosses came to anything but just showing that intent giving Motherwell a challenge I thought he played yeah very well and I can't think of anything from a defensive perspective that he did wrong so yeah good performance and that goes back
0: to what you just talked about there though how often this season can we really realistically sit and you look at the, the data from last night as well we were trying to get crosses in the box as well last night. Like that's something we've just not done all season. We've, yeah. we've, our width, our lack of width throughout the course of the campaign, has killed us. Yeah, all the way through the season so far. So that was refreshing as well. And as you say, maybe they didn't come off to something, but at least we were actually trying to throw balls into the box. That's not something. Well, we've been throwing a lot of balls into the box <laughs> this season to know to get to know um to no impact, but actually to do it, you know, with cross balls going in. More often than not, if you fling enough balls into the box from the wide areas, something eventually is going to fall to a striker at some point. And when you've got a striker like Miowski kicking about, there's a good chance you're gonna you're gonna get that stuck away, hopefully. Which brings us on to Boya Miofsky. Um didn't score last night, and interestingly, um he ends he ends up with um, being the lowest ranked Aberdeen player on the pitch, with the exception of Kel Roos, um, on a lot of the data points, because he, he didn't didn't make an assist for any goal, um, didn't kind of create anything per se, which is one of the, the foibles about how the data works. But it was a really, really impressive performance from Boyan last night.
1: Well, this is why you don't listen to experts, okay? What was it? What would Sam add, I say? Uh, well, I don't think he ever referred to data, but uh, if you were to take his view on Tiki Taka, it would be a load of old bollocks, isn't it? There you go. There you go. Ah, Boyan I mean, was class last night such such a good striker like I say I mean it's a performance that warranted goals and you know with a little bit a little bit more time a fraction of a second quicker maybe could have got two goals that lead to goals for Devlin and a uh, Jamie McGrath but his link up play is just sensational I think he won everything in the air took everything down brought his teammates into play um, Yeah, maybe didn't get on the goal sheet I mean, I thought back in the day that you know, being the last player to touch the ball before the goal scorer would warrant an no. assist, which he does on two separate occasions. So no, I'm going to give it him doesn't because
0: he gets tackled both times. I'm going to give a player it. who
1: assists it. Well, what is it? Is like the NBA or something like that there's like a <laughs> secondary assist? I'm going to give that to to Boyamowski. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, just a superb performance. Um, one that I've just become very accustomed to. Such a classy player.
0: It goes back to what we've talked about as well, though, about how Aberdeen's been a good move, I think, for Bojan Um, Because you can see in the 18 months he's now been with us, he's really developed as a an all round number nine. That, a performance like last night from Miofsky isn't something we would have seen when he first signed for Aberdeen, it's fair to say. So he's been very good for us, undoubtedly, with the number of goals he's scored. But we've been a very, very good move, I think, for Bojan Miofsky as well. Uh,
1: definitely. He is going to... And hopefully this is later rather than sooner. But when he does leave Aberdeen, he will be leaving a far better player than the one we, than the one we signed. Absolutely. Talking about somebody as well last night who
0: got on the goal sheet. Duke came off the bench, managed to get a goal. Um, one of those goals that we saw a lot of last season where despite being diminutive in size, manages to well, rise in height. In he height, manages to rise the highest in the in a crowded penalty area to nod one home I should say as well I actually thought it was a very very good corner kick from Ryan Duncan credit where credit's due as well on that absolutely. one absolutely um, is it perhaps you know we, we talked about it on Sunday that you know I think it was definitely the right thing for Duke to be dropped out of the team based on his recent performances when he's been starting when he first burst into the Aberdeen side last season he was as an impact sub he was coming on with you know 20 15 minutes to go then he started getting goals he's got the confidence up that might just be the way as well for us to maybe get him back into some sort of form Potential.
1: I think also one thing is that when I saw Duke was coming on my automatic um, substitution in my mind was that he's going to be coming on for Miofsky and going up top and playing that lone striker role I think Robson made a very clever decision in bringing him on for McGrath he comes on for yeah uh, yeah, I think so. Let I me mean, yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Or it's a double change involving McGrath. And he goes and plays where McGrath was on that kind of like wide left kind of area yeah. of the pitch. Um I think Which is how, where
0: he started when he came at the team last season. That's where he came in.
1: And this is what I'm gonna say. Like I think that I suspect that <coughs> given how well we performed, Robson will probably stick with this formation now for a little bit at least until maybe um another game comes up where he thinks he can go with something else. I think what this does is that this allows for Duke to be maybe in not such a a compact area of the pitch. It's going to be in a more kind of almost isolated role, but it's going to give him more space to then in turn, you know, turn and get going at defenders. Defenders are going to get drawn to him naturally because he is still a very good player and that's going to create space inside. And the thing about it is that he can still, you know, drift into the center and link up with Miofsky when the opportunity arises. It's not like he's going to be an old-school winger on the periphery of the game where he's not going to get involved if it doesn't come out to his flank. So I think that's something we should really investigate. What I did notice, like you say, it's a really good header, really good leap from him, from a standing start especially, um, given in a crowded penalty area. And what happened after that is that he just started to play with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more of that kind of swagger, and a little bit more of that almost... Bullying nature that he has with his physique, so and it just seems like spark him to like want to work more and want to work harder for his teammates and just get the ball. So hopefully this is what we thought the goal against um, Christ two D score against Ross County. Hopefully this is what we thought the goal against Ross County would be, because again, like much like Leighton Clarkson, if we can get Duke up and running, and he'll be an enormous asset. We know this. Yeah, and it's it's probably not that. The more to think about it he's
0: maybe slightly later in the campaign now getting or potentially getting up and running than last season but it was a bit of a slow burn as well last campaign and maybe there is that argument there where you just go okay you bring him in late into a game um where there are tired legs on the other other team um and you use him as that impact sub at least to try and get him back up and running and try and get that confidence going because he clearly is a confidence player you know yep. that's clearly what's happening here <laughs> Um, And hey, that that could be a real benefit to us as well going forward if we can suddenly get him um, up and running again. And at least now it looks as though we maybe have, again, stumbled across a shape, a system that allows us to to give ourselves, and we're going to talk about defensive issues potentially again in a minute here about goals being conceded late in the game, but it gives us a bit of a solid base at the back. Um, That was what we did when Robson came in last season. Um, but also allows us to get our more attacking players into the team at all at the same time or, or, or there or thereabouts. Um, speaking about attacking players, and for me, man of the match last night, um, again, I'd probably suggest his best performance in an Aberdeen shirt as well so far, although I think he's had a few decent performances so far as well, is Jamie McGrath, Gavin. I see yes. The yes. Let's
1: continue uh, talking for a brief moment here.
0: Yeah. So I mean, two goals last night. But um, again, I think what we saw last night was a player who was given a little bit more license to express himself in a way that he's more comfortable doing, rather than necessarily sitting as one of a kind of midfield three, which has to has to sit a little bit deeper. I can see the scoreboard now,
1: Gavin. If you wouldn't want to. We are now sitting, that was such a good performance. It's worth an extra, an extra point, an extra half point, sorry. So we're now on to four and a half to Jay McGrath versus three to me. Yeah.
0: Um, That performance last night is the type of performance that I think we were all hoping we might start to see from Jay McGrath. It reminded me very much of the performances we would see from him when he was at St. Mirim. Um Um. And if, again, similar to what we just touched about there, if you can get Leighton Clark up and running, if you can get Duke firing, if you can then get Jay McGrath pulling out performances like that week on, week out, we look a very, very different football team all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, the the thing that I was just impressed about, and I I was impressed about this with him against PAOK as well, is that the kind of power of running that he can get through. Perhaps not something we were expecting. Not necessarily. I mean, honestly, I never really associated much with Jay McGrath before Aberdeen. Other than penalties, if I'm, if I mean truth to honest, I don't remember him ever standing out in that way, whether it was with Sintman, whether it was with Dundee or with any kind of God moment, I might've watched a Wigan game in my mm-hmm. lifetime. So that's, that's been enormously impressive What I, I liked was that there was kind of intelligence about the way that he was playing last night and just the anticipation again to get himself in about the penalty area. Whether it's for the cross from from Devlin because he's the only Aberdeen player in the box yeah. when the ball comes in, gets himself around the the backside of the Motherwell player and you know sticks it back where the ball needs to go back across the goalkeeper, giving him no chance. And then you know it's link up play from him that leads to Miowski getting through, which then in turn gets Devlin his goal. And you know he was linking up really well all night with uh, with Miowski while they were both on the pitch. So you know he's on four goals now. He's joined Uh, top scorer for us in the league with Mijofsky. In November. Um, And if he carries on that rate, then it'll be, you know, 10, 11, 12 goals by the end of the season. That'll be, again, another huge bonus for us. So, you know, absolutely. I mean, I like to think of maybe to look for a little bit more in the way of consistency from his performances. Because it does seem like it's a very good one. And then maybe a not so good one. So I think that's what we need to look for. It does seem to like a setup that there's less about doing the dirty work in the center of the park and more about letting him you know be this kind of attacking minded player within this kind of setup that robson's found so i was yeah i'll just say again very impressed extra half star it's almost like he drops someone on his head
0: (laughs) in the tokyo dome in the tokyo dome definitely um the one negative or two negatives i guess um after what had been a really, really good performance overall, two really sloppy goals, to paraphrase a former manager of ours, to finish things up, which is just just leaves that little bit of a downer on things.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless you're one of the dominant teams in your respective league, how often do you go and beat an opponent 4-0 away from home? Doesn't happen all that often. And I thought that was just going to make a really big statement to the rest of the league and also a nice reminder to our own squad of just how good we we can be. So to then concede those two goals, I mean, the Theo Bear goal, you know, it takes a little deflection. It's travelling at a snail's pace. I don't see how Keleruz can't sort his feet and keep that one out. And then, you know, it's a ball in the box. I think misjudges the flight. I think if he stands where he is, he probably has a more uh, decisive header away from goal, he takes that couple of steps forward and then shaves the top of his head and lands at the striker's feet. This is one of
0: these with Rubezic where almost he's he's too eager to win everything that comes in the box, which sounds like a really bizarre thing to say about a defender. But I think if he doesn't make that header, I think
1: McKenzie probably mops it up well, yeah, I think, one, if he holds his position... Is it or McKenzie or maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's Jensen? I don't maybe know. Jensen, but yeah, if he has maybe just a little bit more awareness, if he like, thinks I'm going to struggle here, I've got someone behind me, in the end, the header takes it past, I think it is Jensen, yeah. into the Motherwell attacker's feet. So, yeah, this I was really disappointing. It, um, just because I think 4-0 would have been such a... 4-2 made out, like the game panned out a little bit differently yeah. than it did. We were very impressive um, and completely warranted a 4-0 victory um. so yeah it's just concerning that even with that kind of performance there's are still two bad goals which again has been a recurring theme all season yep.
0: um. I guess so if you're going to concede two bad goals doing it when you're 4-0 up is not the worst point to be doing it it's oh this a, is this is true to look at it. so as we just touched on there as well you know a really good performance away from home. I wasn't going to say it's a difficult venue. Motherwell are on a horrendous run of form at this moment in time. so we should I will put, say
1: Motherwell were bad.
0: Yeah, we do need to put that into a little bit of context as well, I think. I um, think that was in part because of how well we played. I, th- I think so as well, but they are on a bad run of form this yeah. time. Um, and I think I would suggest that Motherwell are the worst team we've played this season so far based on... Um,
1: so. Them or Ross County?
0: See, but things I thought County played okay in the opening half an hour against us. They, mm. But anyway, there we go. But what that does do though is put to one side about how bad or otherwise Middlewood might have been, we played well. Yeah. And we played with the ball, generally speaking, on the deck. We were zipping it about a bit. The hoof ball was really nowhere to be seen. We were getting players up in support of the striker. We were getting wide. We were getting crosses into the box. We had supporting runs into the box late. There was a lot of good things to like about our performance on Wednesday, but (laughs) the flip side to that is it opens up loads more questions then again around the approach that we've seen this season against the likes of St Johnston at home, the approach against Camarca at the weekend. Even, you know, you go, there's an argument to say the game against Livy on the opening day of the season, it's a brand new team trying to gel together on a dry pitch. Maybe there's an excuse there. Maybe, right? Even at St Mirren away, we were really abject, I felt. Uh, We were lucky to get away with a 2-2 draw there. Um, We've not seen that fluidity of performance at all from us, but it begs the question as to why not? Because we've all been saying it now for weeks on end, that there's a gut feeling is that there's a, a decent squad of technically good footballers in this Aberdeen makeup at the moment why are we not playing to their strengths? And that's the big question that comes out of Wednesday night, isn't it? About if we can play like that,
1: why have we just not been playing like that? I mean, there's nothing like taking pessimism out of optimism, is there?
0: No, but it's, I, think it's a fair <laughs>
1: question. I think it's a fair question though. I I just think that, I think Graham's comments on it, that Robson has just been so welded to that setup that we had. He's just not been afraid to budge from it, even though, I think like we've commented on that, we probably don't have the blend of midfielders that we did last season to make that work. Hopefully, I mean, I guess it's all come about from playing in Europe, which is maybe, you know, a testament to the benefit of playing against better teams that we've actually had a a tangible benefit from is stumbling upon this kind of 5-4-1 setup that can be whatever it wants to be. It can be a more um, sturdy, resolute, defensive shape when we want it to be. And then... Like we saw saw against Motherwell, it can open us up to be a much more open attacking side with options all across the pitch. Like you said on Sunday, like Leighton Clarkson doesn't want to be watching the ball hoofed over his head for 90 minutes. None of our guys do, especially Boy MLK, I assume. So, you know, hopefully I think this is maybe part of the, the learning curve of having a, a rookie manager is that he's just going to Make mistakes, and hopefully, this is part of Robson rectifying. and He will have surely watched that game and thought, What have we been doing this season?
0: That, yeah, you'd like to think so. And but this is going to be where it's interesting now to see what happens because I still am baffled by this idea that came out from Sunday. And you we touched on it so much. Where we're just hearing an Aberdeen manager talk about how we can't possibly play through Kilmarnock, you know, Kilmarnock are not a, a, a much better team than. Motherwell are you know we made Kamart look like a better team than the mother are mm-hmm. on sunday you yeah. know i don't think on brass tacks there's much between a lot of the teams in this league no um and that's the thing credit to robson where you know because he did d- d- or <laughs> unless the players just took it upon themselves to go with something completely different last night but that didn't appear to be the case credit to him for at least mixing things up a little bit in terms of the way that we set up and the way we went in our business and the way that we, we performed and the style of the of the performance on Wednesday. And as you say, hopefully that's something we can kind of take forward and carry through. Um, <clears throat> takes us up to, what are we now? Sixth in, I the, believe table, we're think, sixth in the league now, yes. Last, which, which just shows you how... With a game in hand, if I'm not mistaken. Which we are. It just shows just how ludicrous the, 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 the premiership already is this season. We win that game in hand against Dundee. That being takes, fourth, takes us up to fourth position. Um, as things stand at this moment in time, although God knows when that game will actually be played, given now um our current fixture challenges that we've got at the moment, but it does go to show. I mean, if if we if you if you I hate doing this, but if you take into consideration that we would beat Dundee at home, we should be favourites to do so. Where we're at at the moment, you'd be three points off at Mirren, and we've had a horrendous start to the campaign from a league perspective. Everybody's wanking themselves into a fucking Tez about St. Mirren so far. To be three points off them would be
1: not a bad position to be in at this stage. Not a bad position. And, you know, we are getting uh, towards the end of that Thursday-Sunday routine that we've obviously struggled with massively because we had no idea this was going to happen and we don't have a squad to prepare for, even though we spent fucking ludicrous amounts of money on players that we don't ever fucking use. (laughs) So, yeah. When you look at it, I mean, again, I feel like this is maybe just a bit of a damning indictment on the state of the league, but that's maybe a conversation for another day. It's highly competitive, Gavin. It's highly competitive. Very, very competitive. There are four points between 4th and 11th, and we're basically over a quarter of the way through it. Indeed we are. Indeed we are.
0: But it feels like it's been like that way there for the
1: last... Oh, for a lot of you've done this the show. Last few seasons,
0: um, you know, it's, it's great stuff. It's a bit like the championship in England to an extent, isn't it? If you suddenly go and win three games on the spin, you can be, you know, in the European spots. And if you lose three games on the spin, you can be getting relegated. Well, maybe not because St Johnson are there. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's let's wrap up the performance. The, the 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 game against Motherwell
1: on Wednesday evening. Then just a quick one topped on for you. So many options. So many options, honestly, but I'm just going to, you know, again, hop on my Sam Allard's hat and say that all the data is a load of fucking bollocks because I had Boyan was our best player. Oof, ooh, ooh. Um, do you want to do a quick little bit of listeners' corner just
0: from people? who Get, not, that, uh, so. get that up, you Michael Cox. <laughs> um, not people who uh, have left voice notes, but just a couple of people were just asking for yeah. things to talk about. So Grant Heath was just asking about your love for Jamie McGrath. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'll just uh, refer back to the scoreboard. Thank you very much. Yeah, indeed. 4.5 um, to 3. I'm looking forward to Jay McGrath scoring at Hamden on Sunday or Saturday even and unveiling a up your arse Gav t-shirt <laughs> under Lovely stuff. By all means. Uh, Richard McClure just asking, one swallow doesn't make a summer or he means one Duke goal shouldn't change him being rested from the team for a while. We've kind of touched on that already, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about this when we talk about the Hibs preview.
0: Uh, and then Bobby Soggy Biscuit, lovely stuff. He's asking for the McGrath board, we've already had it. Uh, the distinct lack of long throws, we've had it. The distinct lack of hoofball, we've had it. Uh, he wants to just talk about how Boya may obviously could conduct an orchestra with his movement. 100% agree. It yeah. a symphony. Uh, Leighton <laughs> Clarkson back to making the crowd moist with his passing range. There was one that he put out to Devlin that was very satisfying. And then, lastly, Barry Robson's weird tick of fingering his lug hole during interviews. Um, I'm now just like (laughs) thinking back to. I think that'll be. Does do that, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that'll now be the thing that um you now can't unsee. So
1: right, okay.
0: Sorry, everybody. You now will not be able to unsee that. Here we go. There we go. Right, we move on, Gav.
1: Yes, please. Let's talk about the semi-final.
0: This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Doan Co on Belmont Street Aberdeen. Enjoy freshly topped donuts, coffee, milkshakes, soup, pies, bagels and much, much more available every day of the week. Come along and enjoy their daily deals such as black coffee and a mini donut for just £1 or a bagel and a soft drink for only a fiver. Join the guys 7 days a week on Belmont Street between 8 and 8 and available 24-7 at your yourdonutshop.com. Welcome back to the ABZ football podcast. And before we move on to preview the CIS Insurance Cup semifinal on Saturday afternoon, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the beer and coffee fund, including this week, Samuel Davidson. Sam Davidson. Sam, we see you. We acknowledge you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ football podcast. Links in the description. Shout out to that beer or coffee. It is much appreciated. And so, Gav... Um, Saturday afternoon, five o'clock. Is it kickoff time? I can't remember. It's 5, five p.m. five fifteen. There'll be some daft fucking time, no doubt. Hamden Park date with destiny once again for the Dons in the League Cup semi-final seven: 7 15, five fifteen p.m. kickoff. It is this is, of course, our fifth <laughs> meeting with Hibs at a neutral venue in the League Cup. It's our first meeting with them at Hamden in the League Cup since our 3 win over the Hybeys in October 1985 as Sir Alex Ferguson completed the domestic trophy set as a double from Eric Black, sandwiched the diving head of a Billy Stark to see the trophy head north as the Dons went on to complete a cup double that season. In the League Cup, at a neutral venue, the Dons do have a winning record over Hibs, played 4-1-2, drawn one and lost one. In both domestic cup competitions, at a neutral venue, the Don's also maintained that winning record It becomes played 14 1 5, drawn 3, lost 4. Our last meeting with him was at Hamden, the Scottish Cup semi final in 2017. The Don's eventually coming out winners in that one by 3 0 to 2. This is our 28th League Cup semi final. And so far, we've progressed to the final in exactly 50% of them. We have, of course, appeared in two finals since our last success in this competition. During the 2013-2014 season, we were, of course, beaten in both of those finals by Brendan Rogers Celtic. Uh, Hibbs. let's have a quick look at Hibs. So, new manager, Nick Montgomery, since the last time we faced him, a 2-0 defeat for Aberdeen at Petaudry early in the campaign when David Gray was in charge of Hibbs in interim charge. Under Montgomery, he's had eight games now as Hibbs boss. He's had one defeat. That was against Rangers, a 4-0 Shellykin at Ibrox a couple of weeks back. But Hibs are no wins in their last five. There was a Desmond with Dross County earlier this week in the league. So what had been a bright start, it's fair to say, for Nick Montgomery, a couple of wins under his belt initially as he came in, it seems as though that's dried up a little bit. He does appear to favour a 4-4-2, four, four, which is completely out of vogue in any shape or form of uh, professional football.
1: But hey, there we go. Not altogether unsurprising from a guy that would have sat under the learning tree of Neil Warnock, though.
0: This is true. I forgot all about that. Um, a big Colin Wanker disciple. Um, it's going to be interesting, this one on on Saturday. I mean, when the with the four teams who were left in the draw, Aberdeen and Hibs would have been delighted to have drawn each other, it's probably fair to say, in the semi-final. Um, ticket sales have been a little bit slow, it's fair to say, on both sides. You were probably looking up at about half-empty Hamden Park come Saturday tea time. Um it's going to be an interesting game obviously the the, the Aberdeen Hibs game at Potaudry earlier in the season bit of a drab affair it's fair to say we were honking that afternoon oh, we, just, we sucked so much yeah Hibs deservedly kind of getting away with the 2-0 win in the end um, it was of course the only time we've seen Pappy Habib Gay on the pitch in a competitive game
1: I think uh, uh, no I've seen him in live in person yeah was it not the Hibs game no I wasn't there were you not there? No. Where have you seen him? Against some jabronis, but anyway. No. Um, not no, I can't remember why I wasn't at the Hibbs game, but I was I watched it. I okay. wasn't there.
0: Anyway, there we go. Um yeah, Hibbs not in great form coming at this one. Um big win for us on Wednesday night, it's fair to say. of the two teams heading into Hamden you'd expect us to be a little bit more buoyed because obviously Hibs were 2-0 up against Ross County before throwing that away in very typical Hibs fashion. Going to be an interesting game, though, because where we struggled, it felt to me, against Hibs, the was was with the pace that Hibs had in and amongst yep. their team. Um, I don't feel that we're necessarily the quickest of sides when we get turned around. Um, so I'm thinking, did Gartenman play in that game or was that before Gartman signed?
1: Um, I feel Gartman was there, but I could be mistaken because now I half think that Rubicic might have been playing wide right. Rubicic was playing. Oh, I need
0: to look at this now. Maybe Gartman wasn't here by this point. No, Gartman wasn't here by this point. Gartman played the week after when we played at Tincastle. So we started this game with um, it was Rubicic in the center of the three with McDonald and Jensen started that game. Rubicic got hooked at halftime because card waiting to happen
1: right okay uh
0: shade and morris replaced him i think if i remember correctly um before then morris got injured so yeah definitely not a game that any of us really want to to remember i don't think that that one against hibbs early in the season for me the danger man in recent fixtures with with hibbs has always been Yuan. um yeah. seems wildly inconsistent i guess the vast majority of teams in the league, and whenever I watch him against anybody but Aberdeen, I end up looking at him and going, "I don't, there's, I don't think there's much of a player there." But whenever he plays us against us, he looks like prime fucking Ronaldo a lot of the time. Um, I expect they'll go with Boyle and Vente up top, which is what they've done in, in recent weeks. Important that we get off to a good start, and I know that that's a real cliche, but I feel that big pitch at Hamden we don't want to give Hibs too much encouragement I don't think in terms of knocking balls over the top of our back three who mm-hmm. as decent an understanding as that back three are developing and as the performance levels are starting to you know improve from all of them that doesn't get away from the fact that they're not the quickest backline in the
1: league no certainly not and like you say Hibs have got um, a fair amount of pace between them so um, yeah it's um <sighs> I just I, th- I look I think back to the the two most recent games with Hibbs at Petardry where yeah like you say they beat us earlier in the season and then by all accounts they they should have beaten us um, last season in the in the post split fixture um it takes who's diving out of the way to save a penalty to stop that from happening and then obviously you know Coulson denying. Your man, whose name I've forgotten, McCurdy's effort, yeah, from uh, from going in. So I'm um, I'm concerned as that's that yeah, hips have posed us some problems um as much as anyone probably the last few months or a few fixtures. So uh, yeah, I think it's just very important that we go into it with a very clear game plan and we just try and dominate the ball as much as possible and don't let them get the ball into those channels for likes of Boyle or Yuan to isolate. You know, get one of your one of your against as one of your garments because that could be yeah that could be tricky. Do
0: you expect us then, based on the performance on Wednesday night, to stick with shape? Yes. If nothing else, um, personnel though, that's going to be a big shout now as well. I think it feels for for Robson because it feels in a way difficult to take the jerseys away from the guys who currently have them after that performance on Wednesday night. It looks as though it's the midfield area where you might expect to see some changes because that's where there have been the majority of changes week by week so far this season. Is two games in a week too much for Dante Povara, for example?
1: Um, Dante is the one who's, for me, his, his, uh, his name on the team shoots at risk. But then I guess the question becomes, who do you
0: switch him up with? Because with the way we're lining up and the way we lined up on Wednesday night, it feels as though if you take Barron, for example, which would be the natural one, what what do you do then? Do you place Barron or Clarkson further up the park, which is what Povara had been doing? Um, or do you move into that area? A Clarkson Barron axis doesn't feel doesn't make me feel comfortable in terms of just potentially getting overrun as the two holders. Where do you where do you go with that? That's the tricky part now, isn't it? Because I feel is almost integral now into that shit.
1: I tend to agree. And personally speaking, I think I'd be going into the game keeping the same lineup as what we'd had against Motherwell, and I would keep Polvara in that position. And if he only has 60 minutes in his legs, then let's just get those 60 minutes out of him, and then we can think about changing things up. I suspect that Robson will not change us. We will go with that same setup, but I do believe he might think to himself, I found the way for me to get the best out of Duke right now. Mm-hmm. And I think he puts Duke back in, in that kind of Pulvara wide left of the front midfield three. Okay. And he
0: puts McGrath on the right of the.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, you could put Duke on the right right side, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you think he, you think he maybe starts Duke? That's what you, you think I, might be the I curve. I think ball. so. I think so.
1: Okay. In a way that, yeah, you get your full backs up, and up there to support. Duke can go in and support um, and partner with Miofsky when the opportunity arises, but also has the option to just you know stay out in the flanks, get himself some space, get himself running at that Hibbs backline. Interesting, could be an
0: interesting one. I think it's got all the makings of actually being maybe a potentially a pretty decent game on on Saturday afternoon. Um, what do you what do you expect from us? Though? Do you think we do you think we try to be as adventurous as we were against Motherwell or? Do we go a little bit more cagey, a bit more pragmatic in the opening stages? Or for me, this is a game where I think you have to get out in the front foot really early doors and really try and take the game at Hibs and not let them get a foothold in the game.
1: At the risk of this coming back to bite me in a massive fashion, I think we have technically better players than Hibs do. I think Hibs are a very athletic side, especially going forward when you talk about likes of Boyle and Yuan. But I think in the midfield, um, in the sort of striking areas, I think we have better players than them, quite frankly. So for me, on the big pitch that we're going to play on, it's just important to get you know your Clarksons, McGraths, if it's Duke, Polvara, whoever it might be, on the ball and make the most of them. So for me, it has to be a very positive approach. You can't, you can't go into this kind of game thinking, let's contain and let's try and hit them on the break. Let's, again, assert ourselves, make people see that we're the better team um Hibs you know I got a little bit concerned when Nick Montgomery came in because he seemed like a bit of an out-of-the-box progressive kind of coach Um, I remember his name kind of being mentioned here and there when we were um looking for the replacement for Jim Goodwin obviously did a very good job in Australia um learning his stripes and he came in and got a couple of results that made me think oh that's not that's not very Hibs that's not very Hibs what's uh this guy's not read the script but like you say there's what no wins in the last five and not necessarily the wheels have come off. They, I think, they've just drawn most of those games. But
0: yeah, they've they four draws and a defeat it's in that five. Yeah. So
1: yeah, you could look at that and say, well, you know, a goal here and there that changes those games completely. So it's not like he's uh, in the Lee Johnson or the Pat Fenland scheme, grand uh, scheme of things right now. But yeah, they're not in great form. That'll still be huge, despite by losing three points against Ross County from such a, a good position. Um yeah, like I say, just assert ourselves. Get on the front foot, take the game with them, get that first goal. It's going to be crucial.
0: Come on, then, Giff. Let's wrap things up. A prediction, please, for Saturday in the. Oh fuck! I'm running out of historic sponsors of the League <laughs> Cup, but
1: um, yeah. And the, it was the via play. Was still via play? Via play? Uh, well, it was the via play, and then it became. Well, no, what was it before? It was via play. Premier Sports Cup. Premier Sports Cup. Okay, there we go. And uh, the semi-final of the did Iron Brew sponsor it one year? No, that was the Challenge Cup. That the Challenge Cup. In the, in the semi-final of the Coca-Cola Cup, um, I'll put everyone's mind at ease. I'm not going. So the curse of me at semi-finals, or finals for that matter, actually, will not affect the Dons. Um, I'm going to predict a 3-1 victory Ooh. for Aberdeen. Nice. Good stuff. I'm
0: going to suggest 2-1, a little bit tighter affair. But um the Dons will do it. We'll be in the final come December and we'll all have the joys of a trip to Glasgow in the middle of winter to to look forward to. But hey, there we go. That'll do, I think, up. Yeah,
1: I think so. Who are we gonna play in the final? Hearts. Nah, we won't we'll be playing No way we nazi and Andy Halliday are gonna let that happen. <laughs> nah, I think it'll be
0: um, Paul Le Gwen, Mark II's. Sevco, I think <laughs> Who will be playing. Part duh, I suppose it should be. Um, and there we go. That will wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I say this week, this second episode of the week. Anyway, there we go. Thanks for joining us. Please remember, like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do on your podcast. Player of choice, join us next time for episode 133 of the show, where we will preview
1: our trip to oh, sorry Where are we going? Come on, Gav. Are we going to Greece? Yeah. Oh, um, I believe we're going to uh, the exotic climates that is Thess- 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 Thessaloniki? Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. There we go. There we go, Yeah, We'll get there
0: eventually. Oh, well, you spelt it wrong on the dock. I have that's spelled it on the dock. I know that's a, absolutely... Ditched me up there. I have. As we take on POK, okay, and then we'll also preview our trip to Celtic Park next Sunday in this cinch. We'll be forward to seeing you then. Stand fucking free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fears any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest of stop taking supporters, Claudia Stadium, for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.